I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show i got this really positive review which you know one always says oh read reviews but Mm -hmm. i do i mean (laughs) i as much to to understand how people are reading my books as um I, I really don't mind bad reviews, but this was it was so reassuring because mm. a they took it seriously and like that's all you can yeah. ask. Right? <laughs> it wasn't too much of a head scratcher, and that's what I worry most is just when I play with form that it's going to be alienating. Mm. So that was reassuring. That happened when I was in Toronto last week. Well, hopefully this conversation will be reassuring too. Okay, because yeah. yeah. <laughs> we so. both read it. So <laughs> so many so many so many. Damn books. Okay, welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Leanne Shapton in the damn library with us this afternoon. Thank you for joining us. So many damn books. (laughs) (laughs) Good. That's how it should feel. Um, Leanne is an artist and author of several books, including Swimming Studies, um, which was the winner of the 2012 National Book Critics Circle Award in Autobiography, and Important Artifacts and Personal Property from the Collection of Lenore Doolin and Harold Morris which is the, how I became familiar with your work. Actually. Me too. Okay. And a co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Women in Clothes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm honored um, to be asked. Yeah. What yeah. Is, you're holding the book. You're reading the bio off the back of the book, which and it, of, it increasingly matches the color of the drink. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, there, so we've brought you in to talk about your new book, guest book, um, Stories. Can we talk about the color of the cover? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a, orange, a light orange that matches almost the orange on the drink. Which which has orange in it? Yes. Tell yeah. us. Yeah. So this is um this is a cocktail. Oh yeah. Gosh, are you trying it live on the show? You are. Mm-hmm. Um so I I heard <laughs> and about drinking and talking. <laughs> the um there was a you did a piece of about that you always are drinking pg tips tea Mm -hmm. and so i i have some pg tips it's one of my favorite black teas as well and i sweetened it with um orange marmalade and then um you know sorry what do you mean by sweetened it with orange marmalade i had teaspoons of orange marmalade that i that i stirred in while it was steeping while it was still hot so it was like simple syrup and then i waited for that to cool before i started mixing it into the cocktail which is just um gin and orange liqueur it's delicious. Cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's really like a delicious. iced tea cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found out that I was somewhere and I I said, well, what is in a Long Island iced tea? Because I never <laughs> really is it 
is it sort of a kitchen sink situation where you just put everything in it? Yeah. That's what I always assume. A Long assume. Island iced tea? You order a Long Island iced tea and the bartender's like, cool, blah, here's blah, blah, what blah, I have blah. to hand. Yeah. I right. think it's I think it's four liquors oh and lemon okay. and Coke. Wow. Yeah. Right. Huh. It's... um. Oh, so this is um this it's better is, than that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's really amazing. Oh and, yeah. Um, marmalade, I feel, is uh, again sort of as does PG tips sort of addresses my Commonwealth <laughs> background. <laughs> Just you oh, know, yeah. it's so you know, English and yeah. or Scottish probably, but um, um Commonwealthy. And PG tips is a um called builder's tea uh, yes. because like people drink it to like get through the day mm-hmm. and so i'm calling this building ghosts in honor of your book um because these are ghost stories um they could be a ghost book as much as a guest book um nice right before we get there though <laughs> we should talk about what we bought oh sure want to talk uh yes i picked up two books they are reprints uh soft skull press has been reprinting some of their backlist to like fit in with this design language that they've come up with that has the little ant dead center on the spine and the author's name above it and the book name below it love that. um i do too it's i love a cohesive design palette yes mm-hmm. and so when i saw that they i'm also a huge maggie nelson fan and collector so i picked up Something Bright Than Holes, which I hadn't read yet, which mm-hmm. just got republished, as well as um, a novel in translation. I decided this year to do, I made up my own reading challenge to like challenge myself to do something interesting each month. And this month was... You mean with your reading? Mm-hmm. Okay. This month was uh, visit, visit a country that I've never been to. Mm. Right. And there's this soft skull book called Broken Glass by... An author named Elaine Mabanku, translated uh-huh. by Helen Stevenson. Okay. And it's set in a dive bar in the Republic of the Congo. Oh, fantastic. Uh, okay. And so I was like, yes, yeah, perfect. It looks cool on my spine. Never read about the Congo before. Um, so I'm excited to Does Heart of Darkness that. take place in the Congo? Does it? Does it? I'm just, it's just sort of... Oh, yeah. no. But when you try... With this challenge, will you read a few books per month? Like in the month time or... Ideally, I think because of the amount of reading that I have to do for the show and for the for work, it's one of those things where it's more like I'll come up with the list, and then if I get to one, I'm happy. But then I have the list of the other ones that I can go check out. Yeah. Without the added pressure of like, oh, March is done in a few. You can read reviews of those other ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you want to talk about something you bought? Oh, let's see. What did I buy recently? Well, I bought, okay, I'll say what I bought. (laughs) (laughs) I bought three sort of red discs that were, well, blocks of wood that were painted red about um, two inches across and about one inch deep um, from a junk shop. Mm -hmm. Um, I love uh, painted wooden things. Um, And this is in in kind of a, a different period of my life. I painted I painted wooden books and I feel cool. like, and then recently I did this series of, I've painted these um, blocks yellow to look like butter. Mm. I just love painted, painted wood. Mm-hmm. And so I was in Toronto and I went to Mrs. Wiesenga's, which is one of my favorite junk shops and vintage shops and antique shops. It's just stuffed full of 
incredible weird crap um <laughs> and i hope they don't take offense if they hear this <laughs> when i say crap because they say it with all love um and there was a big bin full of painted um children's blocks it's, mm -hmm. they're just building oh, blocks cool. yeah and so they're just glossy red sort of this 50s red and um i just took three of them because i'm moving soon and i can't buy too much big stuff anymore <laughs> yeah so it's just this little is, things yeah i mean this place you just go and you like i want that table i want that that strange storage thing i want this whole set of dishes and i want that piece of art and it's or quilt they have i mean in in um in canada sort of the scottish protestant aspect of 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 old toronto they just save everything so <laughs> so vintage shopping there is fantastic and there's all these cool. wonderful very uh, preserved in mothballs for you know 75 years things and usually return with a little bit more but this time i just came back with three red disc things cool. <laughs> last time i was there i bought a um um a actually weirdly another disc it was a um a discus thrower's oh. disc from um sorry i just made <laughs> a disc i just acted that out um, a discus throws disc from, I want to say, Hungary. Mm -hmm. Whoa. And then the, I, another moment before, not moment, another time, I was in Toronto at Mrs. Fizenga's. I bought um, a curling disc. Mm. So maybe there's some, discs. I know, like the puck, the curling disc, the di <laughs> like this. and then. What do you think the red discs that you bought this last time are representative of? Like, what are they supposed They're to be like for a kid? They're like my travel disc. <laughs> 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 like, because I'm moving. I, I need like a portable disc I can bring a carry on. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I it's just those these shapes, these mm -hmm. basic build I mean they're you know, they are building block shapes. Um mm -hmm. they do something for me. Mm -hmm. They are formative. They are scales, grammar, like there is something I don't know. I think but I it's only now I'm realizing I keep buying discs <laughs> from that one store. <laughs> Heavy kind of like solid discs from mm -hmm. this one place. Yeah, curling disc is huge they're big well no yeah. this was sort of for a different it was um it's for, it was uh i don't even know what what when it was from there it was kind of like a little cake it's like a cake layer and so <laughs> i think it was for a, a like backyard or something yeah, backyard yeah. curling oh. rink it wasn't oh. one of those things with the handles that look like tea kettles right like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, that, that, you, that, that was your character. But I look, I mean, now it makes me want to search like curling, curling iron. I guess it's yeah. called an iron. Um, 1940. Because yeah. what did those look like yeah. in the 40s? Mm -hmm. Cool. 20s. Yeah. 10s. Yeah. Interesting. That's what I bought. Um, what did you buy? What did I buy? You actually, this, you're going to like this. I got this book. Um, Simon Garfield um, wrote this book. Uh, it's called In Miniature. Mm -hmm. And it's just a, like um, a nonfiction book of like a collection of like someone who made tiny Eiffel Towers like that out of matchsticks and like talking about like uh, people making things. I don't know. I like Lovely. I love yeah. little small um, like uh, that ride at Disneyland, the um, canal boat, the storybook canal where you just go through all of those like small representations of like aladdin's castle or right um right. i love those types of so like <laughs> the idea of like a book dedicated to like the creation of tiny things is yeah. kind of exciting and i also got um i picked up this the book it was sent to us but it's one of these kind of cool things where almost everybody on the back cover of this was a guest on our show and so we're just like uh we need to read this probably <laughs> um laura uh, makeling i believe is how you pronounce her name and how could she Oh, Lauren Meckling. Lauren, yes. yes, thank you. Lauren, Lauren Meckling. Yes. 
and it's supposed to be sort of a Nora Ephron. Um, she's supposed to be sort of an inheritor of her style in, in some way. So I'm excited about that because I just fell in love with Nora Ephron. So oh, she's nice. so good. Yeah, as a yeah. as as a writer of words and not just as a screenwriter. Yeah. Anyway, so those are that's what I got. Cool. I'm really interested in fake food mm-hmm. and um, replicas of food and um, and just replicas of things. And I do this kind of goes into I mean the effigy, the, this idea of a ghost, this idea of a of a of a of a of a double mm-hmm. yeah. of things. That, um, well, that that leads us to: Would you explain for our listeners? Tell us about guestbook. Sure, um, guest guestbook. I have been obsessed with ghost stories all my life. Never seen a ghost, felt a ghost. Um, Edith Wharton said, and I kind of related to this. She said, "I've I've never seen a ghost, but I'm a ghost feeler. Mm-hmm. I can feel mm. them, and um, I feel like I can feel them." Um, and often? so I've read no not often <laughs> God. Um, I've read them all my life and at a certain point maybe 12 years ago I realized that all my favorite stories were ghost stories Christmas Carol, The Dead, Hamlet like even the ones that weren't you know the turn of the screw but right. they, they always had this very matter of fact idea of ghosts at their heart and of um, and uh you know, sort of a porous threshold. Um, I was talking about A Christmas Carol recently. I mean, those ghosts are amazing. Yeah. And it might be too, it, I'm just remembering this now, in, in fifth grade, I had to play Jacob Marley. <laughs> and I still remember, can I, can I recite my lines? I still yes. remember I was wearing my dad's tweed waistcoat and I had two of my brother's bicycle chains around my, you know, <laughs> slung around my chest and I probably had like, black you know what i don't know what they did to my you know how old are you in fifth grade 10 year Mm -hmm. yeah 10 year old face and i remember walking out and my line i mean god knows what the adaptation was like mississauga um 10th grade school and i said thank you for coming friends and i suppose i was talking to the three ghosts (laughs) thank you for coming friends i'm in dire need of your help there's a soul to be saved my name is Marley, Jacob Marley. <laughs> like, I went, like went on and was like, "You are the ghost of Christmas." But yeah, so I suppose I played. I suppose my first dramatic role was playing a ghost, and I love Jacob Marley as a figure. Mm-hmm. As a figure, he's he's uh, you know stuck betwixt and between. He's a cautionary tale to Scrooge. He did bad in his life. He comes back. I, I have the goofy, speaking of Disney, the goofy mm-hmm. one image in my head where um, where they tied, you know what they used to do with corpses was tie their mouth shut. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. with the knot. With the knot, uh-huh. with the, the sort of polka dotted handkerchief. And mm-hmm. I remember Goofy, it was Goofy, right? I think so. Who yeah. plays Jacob Marley, Marley. The Disney version. Makes sense for and Marley. It's Scrooge like, Duck. It's, du- mm-hmm. it's Ebenezer Duck, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I've always thought that that thing about tying your jaw shut when a corpse dies, and it's interesting. Can I, if can I just tan- go off on tangents here? Yeah. yeah. Because I did this whole story for the Times Magazine on the Franklin 
uh, expedition. Do you mm-hmm. know what the Franklin expedition is? So these two ships went off in 1845, got lost in the Arctic, trying to chart the Northwest Passage. Three sailors were found on Beachy Island, this very remote island in the Arctic. And in 81, a scientist, forensic scientist dug them up to Whoa. see why they died. And one of them, John Torrington, he was a head stoker. He was 19, I think, when he died, and he had a handkerchief. Okay, the bodies were in perfect preserved condition because of permafrost. Mm. They looked like they were buried three months ago. Wow. It was insane. You can see the pictures. And John Torrington, and he just looks like the palest little delicate flower. (laughs) Um, You could see his like pale eyelashes and his eyes and... Anyway, his jaw has that thing. And I was just like, oh my God, it's like goofy. It's Harley. <laughs> anyway, so that was this weird layering of, of the ghosts in my life. Because um, John Torrington now has a has this place as this 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 ghost too. Mm-hmm. So I, I got quite obsessed with the Franklin um, expedition stories and stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I know. I mean, there's an iceberg on the cover. I mean, the Arctic and Canada and everything. Yeah, there is. These stories are very different. In even even in just in form from from story to story, like some of them are like big collections of store of pictures, and it's just a caption, and some of them are much longer and have ju- it's just writing and More like words. one yeah one of those <laughs> yeah. things. What are those called? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I guess I was curious. Maybe you could just take us through um, one of my favorites um, because I love Christmas. Was the was Christmas mm-hmm. Eve? Um, and maybe you could take us through like because it's all sure. um, paired. Uh, sentences with Christmas wrapping paper. Yes. And, and it's very beautiful in the book. It's full color and very gorgeous. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk about that one. In fact, I haven't really talked about that one yet. And that one is weirdly at the center of a lot of the themes. Um, one of them is uh, family and when families come apart, because this is some this is something that happened a little bit to me and something that happens to a lot of people. And Christmas is obviously this crazy time when yeah. you're, when that link is either stressed or, or in some kind of, um, um, uh, what's the word? It's transforming somehow. And Christmas is always, especially in Victorian kind of um, tradition, a time when you tell ghost stories. It's not Halloween, it's Christmas, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. And that's when sort of everyone's, gathered around the hearth if there's a hearth and um um warm and enclosed and you've put the candles in the windows for you know the passing travelers and and there's a a sort of a circle there and I've loved that tradition I get it I love it it seems it always felt kind of right to me and more if I think Halloween's a time for horror and Christmas is a time for ghosts and um so I wanted to, and the end papers of the book too are wrapping paper. Oh, cool! Yeah, those the, on either side. So wrapping paper, um, wrapping paper is part of how I wanted to talk about images and photography in this book, and how our idea of a night at Christmas is probably informed more than we realize by you know, CVS wrapping paper Mm -hmm. and really cheap, like just the most like 
not common, but the most sort of mainstream, printed, cheapest sort of. And I loved specifically, and I love specifically, wrapping paper that shows snow falling in the dark. Mm. And so I looked and looked and looked for just that depiction of snow against a dark ground. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to find stuff that was a little bit older because I felt, although there's you know, a little bit newer stuff there because I felt that that kind of had my my age to it. But I mean, when you think about Christmas at night and snow, we like we kind of have wrapping paper images in our head. And mm -hmm. it's there yeah. because of our our wallpaper and our um and our uh, our images. And it, it, it there's a cultural theorist named A.B. Warburg that has influenced me very uh, deeply and um, and recently, I suppose. And I was thinking a lot about uh, him when I was doing this book because he had this theory he, that images and ideas, sorry, ideas are transmitted through images and through iconography far quicker and far more effectively and um, than words and um, language. And I believe this. I absolutely, he kind of, he kind of uh, predicted Instagram. He sort of predicted that the printing press, the, the photograph, all of these things would would allow us to read in a completely different way and understand images. So Christmas Eve, the, the story you picked, kind of brings in Warburg, brings in illustration and the ideas that come, that this collective, this collective idea of winter, Christmas, the dark. Um, and then I wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to talk about a, just a series of sort of social events that happen around Christmas Eve, one particular Christmas Eve, and um, the stories that came up really organically, um, even though I wasn't sort of necessarily going around saying, do you have a ghost story? Do you have a ghost? But it, it um, and I realized at that point in my life, I was going through a separation that there was, there was a ghost being created and conjured and, and happening at that point too. So mm. um, I really, that story is very personal um, and it does. It just brings together the, the, the Warburg and the, and the, um, the larger idea of family. Mm -hmm. So thanks for asking me about it. <laughs> oh yeah. I love the idea of creating, and and reinforcing the idea that ghosts don't have to just be like spooks who you know pop out and scare you and there are there are stories in this book that are oh ter the some of the scariest and i love yeah. scary stories some of yeah. the scariest stories i've ever read billy byron oh, Ooh. Ooh. oh creepy wow. <laughs> then, i mean one. there's one i'm forgetting the name it's photos at the foot of beds mm -hmm. and i started reading it and i was like i felt i just felt off something felt wrong i was like <laughs> what the fuck and i got to the end of it and then at the end it's sort of as end notes little visitations yes. but then stories like christmas eve and it, it feels like this book even trails back through some of your earlier work especially mm -hmm. your other two fiction collections um was she pretty and important yes. artifacts yes. and that sense of absence as ghost yeah mm -hmm. and I, even so far we've all been talking about ghosts as sort of paranormal entities yeah like how how would you, after creating this book, how would you define a ghost? Well, it's funny. I it's funny you bring up was she pretty because I begin that with um, 
You don't happen to have a copy. I wish I you do. brought a copy. Okay. <laughs> I um I begin that with this Kierkegaard quote. Oh no, the, was she pretty? The one about oh, jealousy. Oh. Yeah. Do you have that one? No. <laughs> oh, you have an original. Mm. Look, end paper. Weirdly, okay, this end paper too has to do with your question. Um, I begin this with this quote from either or, and I could go back to it and 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 say um, and say that this is what I think a ghost is. Um, it just starts. What is it that binds me? From what was the chain that formed, or sorry, that bound the Fenris wolf? It was made of the noise of cats' paws walking on the ground. The beards of women doesn't exist. The roots of cliff, those don't exist. The grass of bears, of the breath of fish and the spittle of birds. Like all of these things that don't, that are invisible. Yeah. You know? um, I too am bound in the same way by a chain formed of gloomy fancies, alarming dreams. Troubled thoughts, fearful, fearful presentiments, and inexplicable anxieties. Chain is very flexible, soft as silk, yields to the most powerful strain and cannot be torn apart. These are still my ghosts. Yeah. These are, you know, in this case, it was the haunting of the ex, just the person you could never measure up to. And in this case, it's, you know, a failed marriage or, you know, a, uh, a dream you let go of or something like that. So it is, it's still these, you know, things that bind you that um, haunt you. Right. Yeah. But like that don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so how did uh, Billy Byron haunt you? Because I'm going to. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, uh, so I just, to tell the listeners it's this tennis story it's tennis pictures pretty much all the way through although there's some other ones um and and you're following the career of a of a tennis player who's very talented but is haunted yes so this was a mix of a couple of preoccupations of mine one of them goes back to the arctic um one of the people i met in the process of reporting the story about john franklin was um an old colleague of mine from a Canadian newspaper called John Geiger. Um, and he was the uh, president of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. And so in addition to sort of having this, having this position, he also um, has an interest in um, the spiritual, mm -hmm. not, not entirely the paranormal, but he wrote a book called, um, the third man theory and uh, I, I'm getting the the title wrong. So if you can correct me at some point, <laughs> um, it's the third man theory and it's about the sensed presence and the sensed presence was something that these explorers because of his background in the explorers club and the geographical society, Shackleton, Lindbergh, I think maybe even Earhart all had records in their logs of experiencing a sensed presence when they thought they were going to die. Mm. And so it's a it's a bit of a a guide people call it guardian angel these but it is scientifically um a reported and 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 provable thing. So I talked I was talking to John. I got the idea of the tennis player because um, of my love of the story, The Rocking Horse Winner by D.H. Lawrence. Mm. Do you know this story? Yeah. yeah. And so it's one of my favorite, you could call it a ghost story, you could call it a horror story. Um, this boy is haunted by um, 
sorry, sort of haunted by the sins of his parents kind of thing, the sins of the father. In this case, it's the mother. Um, he hears these voices in his house saying, there must be more money, there must be more money, and wants to help. And that gets him into um, deep trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I love the idea of one of these sensed presences being less than benevolent, because in John's book, they are benevolent. They're very much linked to the imaginary friend, a coping mechanism that Mm -hmm. sometimes a child will have if there's trauma, but an adult will have if there's trauma too. So, um, and I was a jock for a lot of my life. And so my wanting to kind of use that landscape of sports and how pure winning and losing is, I always loved. Um, and so I made, um, I made Billy Byron have a not so benevolent sensed presence. And Mm. again, I really wanted to play with how I could tell that story with words and pictures. Mm -hmm. I wanted to shoot it. I wanted to cast and shoot it, but I didn't have enough time or money. So, um, so those pictures are pulled together from a lot of places. And a lot of the tennis stuff is from Alamy just, um, going tennis player head, um, like crying. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, one of them, you know, they're there. I just really tried to get pictures of tennis players in uh, in moments of of um, defeat or 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 crisis, yeah, <laughs> covering grief. their faces yeah. so they all looked like the same person. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I hope it worked. Oh, it definitely worked. Okay. Yeah. What comes first, or like, sort of, what's your process in terms of a kernel for a story, and then? pictures or the scope like yeah. i'm gonna shoot this series and yeah. i'm gonna create the story as i'm shoot like how yeah. do you how do you put these things together so i do so i see myself as a writer who can lay out pages mm. so if i can't write it straight like i would have wanted to write out billy byron i would have wanted to write out sirena de galley like i thought those i could kind of in my head hear those stories and see them beginning to end but the way I write is through layout. It's through pictures and, and captions. And so, you know, some of the stories, as you said, in the book are just accounts. And those are the ones where, I f- where I'm sort of following um, the tradition that ghost stories are told secondhand. Um, and uh, um, those I felt, I also felt I needed in the book for, con- for not consistency, but for a mixed consistency and for um, pacing these moments where there was just text. Anyway, that aside, um, I will just try to see what the best and most efficient telling of the story might be given my limitations, because I'm a limited writer. I'm not trained as as a real prose writer. Like, I didn't go to Iowa like I don't have that and so I really try to go okay how am I gonna do this not mm-hmm. kind of not how how do I want to read it I would have wanted to read Serena de Galley as like a 200 page little novella like I'm completely incapable of that <laughs> so I have to go okay I do this and like shoot the clothes and then get the thing like I have to just try to color it in mm-hmm. and so I'll usually get an idea and know how it sounds or how it looks Mm -hmm. and if i know how it looks then it starts with the layout and if i know how it sounds it starts with the story and the idea that i then color in but if i know how it looks like the at the foot of the bed Mm -hmm. i really wanted those pictures of beds taken at the foot of the bed because that's how shelter magazines and like Mm -hmm. 
el decor and domino and architecture like that's restoration hardware that's Mm -hmm. how we shoot our beds right Mm -hmm. that's how we see our rooms it's also where the ghost stands when people say yeah i saw a ghost at the foot of the bed right so i loved again this this wall um wrapping paper idea that so much of our understanding comes through popular printed material Mm -hmm. like those pottery barn pictures of what a bed looks like who's who's that person standing there looking like who does that (laughs) who's the camera is in this position taking this picture for us we're so used to that real estate and that geography being taken up by someone looking at the bed Mm -hmm. whether it's empty or not and i'm really interested in why is the camera always there? And why, whenever I was at a cocktail party or dinner party, and I would just be like, what am I going to talk about? Have you, do you, have you ever seen a ghost? Like, mm-hmm. I did this with Was She Pretty Too. I was like, are you jealous? When's the last time? Like, <laughs> so it, it actually just helps me socially to have a book to work on. Um, <laughs> and I would uh, say, do you have a ghost? And so many people, and that's what that collection at the end um, would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. I woke up and there was a ghost at the foot of the bed, or there was a thing at the foot of the bed, or there was an animal at the foot of the bed, or there was a, I felt someone sitting at the foot of the bed. Yeah. The bed, foot of the bed, foot of the bed. Over and over again. Mm. Yeah, but, and then I just saw those catalog pictures. I was like, who's behind the camera? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's even, it's weirder now, like, or, or like weirded by the fact that like, I don't know, like Ikea isn't even um, using real pictures anymore. Like all of those are computer generated. Oh yeah. To put those together, which is just very strange. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, that's interesting. I've noticed that your that these stories and the book that you brought us um, to read for mm-hmm. book club, or they are, um, you know, there's that story of yours that's just um, floor layouts with mm-hmm. just with the description of the, which if you just flip through it a little bit and you're just looking at the floor layouts, it's it's one thing, yeah. but then you see those captions and they're very evocative. And I was thinking how this is like a story around the story, mm-hmm. like you have like the wrapping paper of the story um, in a way and like evoking that feeling. Yeah. And I was thinking about the story around the story for women talking as well in yeah. Miriam Toe's uh, novel that you brought us because like this, uh, it's interesting how the like story that they're within that they've kind of paused to have this conversation, it still intrudes on the narrative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like they're sanctioning their own story because they need to know how to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sort of know they're interrupting everything they've been taught to. Right. To, to not interrupt, to, not to go interrupt. along with. Yes. Um, but yeah, let's I was I'm obviously changing our gears here a little <laughs> bit. Um, but do you want to talk about um, women talking and, and yeah, bring it? Sure. Why this book? I mean, I love Miriam Taves. I, I love her writing. I love I've, just from the first things I read. um, Another Canadian, I mean, she's Canadian, a Canadian uh, editor named Paul Tuff back in the 90s did a a very early um, website, I guess, called um, Open Letters. And Miriam would write these. And it was all submissions in the form of letters people wrote. Mm -hmm. Really simple, really beautiful. Um, Openletters.net. And, you know, Paul was, I guess, at the New York Times Magazine and then, or he was at Harper's before then. And so... um, so Miriam, I think, was living in Winnipeg um, and would write these 
I wonder if they were letters to or about her 13-year-old. And I just, the writing was, so, it's just one of those things where when you come across somebody's writing and you go, oh, shit, this is so, like, just life-changing. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's art. And and so from those letters on, read read all of her books and just think she's, she just often changes it up and just mm. gets better and she doesn't stay in her, you know, she doesn't stick to her, her, her thing. Everything she does is a little bit different. And then I read this last summer and again, just thought here, okay, something completely different. I loved how she took a culture that didn't have, well, the women didn't have um, literacy and how she used their language and wrote, um, and wrote it mm-hmm. was wonderful to me because it wasn't so much of um so much of novels is like wait how can this person with no knowledge of that be having these super sophisticated like thoughts about that like they wouldn't have that language and so obviously it was a an issue um for her to go okay if you don't necessarily if you don't read and you don't have that that syntax or grammar kind like this sort of understanding because you're you know um, because you're illiterate, then how does that sound? Mm. And so the sound of a, a group of Mennonite women talking was just, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I was so moved, um, by, um, her depiction of that. Mm-hmm. And also just the, this landscape of this room and this barn and these relationships between all of these women and the man. And there's like, there's a love story at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then just this, incredibly relevant violence in yeah. it mm-hmm. um, that had to do with families, that had to do with pedophilia, that had to do with patriarchy, that had to do with all this. I was like, everything's in here. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, where, like, how did she do this? Um, and so I, I just, it's a book that I'm just telling everybody to buy. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, so the, the basic plot of it is that um, these women are coming together to talk because um there has that men in their in their colony their mennonite colony have been yep. raping them and calling it a devil Dr- drugging them raping them and then in the morning they wake up with all these scratches and bruises on their body and, and say, they the say the devil's visited you yeah and so they've now discovered what happened and are trying to decide what do we do do we do nothing <laughs> do we stay and fight or do we leave? Yeah, it's like, should I say or should I go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eternal. <laughs> Hold on, let go. Like what? Um, and it's got this, it starts with these like woodcut drawings or um, at the beginning. Of yeah. The, because they have, those are what they're deciding against because they don't have the words for it. They just have these images that are mm-hmm. the three things of what their choices are. I also thought too, it was just, again, in this, in this um, moment of minim- kind of minimal writing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and breaking it down and auto fiction and kind of this, um, uh, that she was sort of like, okay, I'm just gonna go to like a culture that has no writing and yeah. and write and um, you know, I was reading it at a at a time where I was I was reading a lot of novels and um, trying, you know, there's the 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 Sally Rooney's and the Rachel Cusks, and then this in it, it just it had a different, it had this, um, it had a uh, a centeredness to it because of the subject matter that that was interesting. It sort of had 
foreground, middle, and background. If I can mm-hmm. do use a visual. Kind well, of like thing. you were saying, it has this interesting um, narrator who is sort of like translating. It's translating for the whoever's reading mm-hmm. from the lang- their language to our, and then he's noting every moment where he's like, I uh, well, I can't really translate that. Or like, I'm going to use this language here. Or, you know, they would swear in it. And at first, the swears would come on the page. And I was like, that's strange. He must be translating that. But then saying like, no, swears have made it in. Just like, that's something that's always universal. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, And that's that was really something that I was surprised about. Is this like horrible subject matter and this terrible time in these women's lives. But it's actually very like amusing. Like it's yeah. a funny book. Yep. It's often mm-hmm. funny. Yep. It almost reminded me sometimes of... Um, like Doctor Strangelove. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know that levity, uh, beca- yeah. that levity in the drama, mm-hmm. and just sort of how people react, and and um, I know, and just the language around women, men doing things to women, and me too, and all this is so fraught, and it's strange that there's yeast in this. Like, there's actually kind of like a, like a, I don't know, gaps in it. It's interesting, not gaps, but um, air in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also makes me think about, you know, like I I have a, a certain view of like religious devotion, like away for the page, like for myself. Mm-hmm. But when I read it on the page like this, I think about how how religion can be this solace and comfort and mm-hmm. like something to turn to in like darkness that it's very I that I that isn't always treated kindly on the page right. by other mm-hmm. writers. Right. But this it's like so important to them. Their their faith is never a, a question here. Yeah. Yeah. Um and th- that was sort of that was very interesting. I mean, we're watching the evolution of the faith on the page mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. space of 48 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I've never read a, a book like this. I mean, I work in the theater and I've, I've been a theater kid my whole life. And it felt like a play mm-hmm. written in prose. Mm-hmm. Just it reminded a, me of The Crucible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that um, like... That thing where there's almost, there is a plot. They're deciding whether or not to stay. But like, Mm -hmm. that's it. That's the story. It's Mm -hmm. two days of people deciding they're making a decision. Mm -hmm. And it feels on the one hand, like sort of the smallest possible idea of what it means to put together a plot. Like Mm -hmm. we are at A and we are going to get to B. Mm -hmm. And yet it's so like everything is so heavy and so weighted and there's yeah. so much going mm-hmm. on like your foreground middle round background yeah well, I, you compare it to something like you know lincoln and his um and his team of rivals like mm-hmm. in that movie it's sort of like yeah there's just something and to see it to, i don't know why that flashed in my head yeah. but as mm-hmm. you were sort of saying like a or a courtroom drama or something mm-hmm. like yeah that. yeah that it's also about the limitation of language and like he has this perfect moment and it's actually like some of the some of his like because he's been out into the world and come back so augustus what was his augustus uh, august 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 ep he's um augustus gloop (laughs) (laughs) so he was in this chocolate factory and (laughs) um, that's how he ended up in jail (laughs) yeah uh so this he's um he's been out in the world and he's come back um and so he has all of these tough touch points and references. Um, there's like a moment where photographers are coming by or a truck's coming by. And so they hear um, the lyrics to uh, it's, uh, California dreaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that sort of like wends its way through the narrative in a way. And then 
there it's like these auto fiction moments actually um kind of when he starts to talk about the um the john cage organ piece that's being played over 600 years Mm -hmm. like i looked that up because i was like did he is that made up or is that real (laughs) and it is real yeah um and those little like auto fictional moments he's like bemoaning the fact that he has this language and has this way to relate to them but there's no he actually can't it's like to, it means nothing to them when he references titanic yeah he's yeah. like oh these women haven't ever seen an ocean like, yeah how and am then i there's going to that, explain this then, and he's also sort of trusted and not trusted because he's gone beyond and come back and mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of like it belongs nowhere which is such a classic character too and an mm-hmm. interesting um narrator and he's a man too yeah like yeah to be not trusted in that way as well yeah and he remains the whole time sort of outside of their perception of the, like I kept thinking he's been out into the world. Mm -hmm. He can take Mm -hmm. like he can, whether or not he can take you, he can provide this information. He does a little Mm -hmm. bit. He goes and he manages to Mm -hmm. procure a map for them. But the way in which they, the women are like, no, we don't this, like we have to do this for ourselves. And yeah, we like, we have to cross this bridge with ourselves, with our families, and with our God. And frankly, we couldn't care less about you. About yeah. you. You're, yeah. here, you're here to write for us. Thank you. Yeah. And also, like, why are you here again? Like, we don't want you writing for us. Like, <laughs> yeah. that was only one person that asked. There was that was one woman that asked for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is another thing, too, that I want to bring up, too. And in, in, um, another thing I want to bring up, which is how writers now and this comes back a little bit sort of make it all about me but back to my (laughs) book in that how I need to use photography when I write Mm -hmm. Taves doesn't she's a writer there are writers who write visually Mm -hmm. and in this case she doesn't and I think that's why I loved it too it was a case of she wrote for the ear and the mind and she wasn't describing we have no idea what um August looks like there's like very it's very um right very uh um, heard, which I, and again, to get such a dose of the um, invisible that way, I think is why also just in my last few years of visuals, 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 I love that she is a, just a writer, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of a communicator through and through. She's not looking at something and describing it. Right. She says hayloft and then it's like, that's it. Yeah. You know what a hayloft yep. is? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to describe the stitches on the, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I loved, loved that. There's a neat connection and, and parallel actually between the way that she writes this book and the way that you create and that it leaves a lot of room for the reader. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's interesting. And that I like to to put your own perceptions onto it and so to imagine the way that the town is laid out or to fill in the gaps around some of the ghost stories mm-hmm. but to to very different ultimate end effects mm-hmm. which yeah. is really neat to see because in my picture in my head of it it's just you know i have old you know canadian amish and mennonite imagery in my head and you might have been depending on where you you know or what was that um Harrison Ford movie with like the the little boy witness sort of you know the 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 glimpses we have of this um this life and community are are rot, like exoticized yeah. and and art directed and um you're right it's nice that she doesn't fill that in but lets us sort of 
try to fill it in ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It almost Trust. it made it it made it easier for me to just cut right to the bone yeah. mm-hmm. in a way. And yeah. so that I wasn't really thinking about like Mennonites. Wow, this is a culture that I'm completely under it was like, no, yeah. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also just takes the the your idea of the author out of it in mm-hmm. a very Oh yeah. Way. I didn't like think you're not going, what a clever lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Which yeah. is such a gift. It was a it was a crazy reading. I'm so glad that you um, I'm glad you wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I think I, know. Uh, I think the movie just rights the, were yeah. just picked up too. Um Frances McDormand, I think, or something. Oh was sure. She's she Yes. She's a good choice. Amazing. <laughs> That's really cool. I haven't read the apparently there's a New Yorker profile on on, on Miriam. I haven't read it yet. Oh, cool. No, I think I saw some mention of it. Cool. But yeah, I mean, I mean, again, to to visualize this book is going to be interesting. Like that, 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 that does leave a whole other, mm-hmm. I mean, that'll be so, so curious to see it. Yeah, it'll I'm be glad. one of those I'm things so where I'll be telling everybody, like, read it first. And then, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about other books we recommend? Do we want to switch over to that? Sure. You want to start? Oh, I, I'd love to start. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend, I just listened to this book. It was a great listen. And then um, I am I saw it in a store and I started flipping through it. Um, and actually, Mira Jacobs told me to flip through it because she was just like, you're listening to that? That's a mistake. Um, <laughs> uh, because like it's filled with the drawings. It's a uh, Little by Edward Carey. Oh, cool. Um, okay. And it's the story of, it's, it's Madame Tussaud's life. Um, and or or kind of just how she started it it does run her whole life but it's like mostly like her childhood up until her young adulthood and it's this amazing story it's a it's a great you know very victorian very gothic because it's about like beheadings and casting dead heads and and uh, putting them <laughs> I in wax read this again it's, it's the double it's the um yeah and uh the the reason why she told me to flip through it is because there's also all of these included like uh, drawings and they're very beautiful um, by him um i i think so he's because he did a um, he did a ya trilogy uh-huh i can't think of the the first book was called heap house and mm-hmm. I, I have not read it but i've seen it and he did that and the yeah. illustrations are the same yeah. and i realized yeah yeah so, so and it's an incredible listen to um so that's you know you can listen to it but also flip through it because it's a great the the image is really and as they sort of get better over the course, because she gets it to be a better um, artist. Oh, cool. It's oh, very interesting. Okay. So, yeah, cool. Have you um, been to Madame Tussauds? Um, no, I've been to Ripley's Believe It or Not a yeah. few times, which is like a similar <laughs> thing. Um, but no, I'm actually, uh, wax been. sculptures really freak me out. So yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't need to, but I'm fascinated now. And it's fascinating to me too that like, she was a real person. She really worked in wax. And like, this is something that you, it's like still in Times Square. Like yeah. to this day. And in London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's a crazy story. I, I really enjoyed uh, listening to it. And, and Frances McDormand has picked up the book. <laughs> <laughs> she bought that too. <laughs> um, uh, so that's what I recommend. Um, cool. Do you want to recommend something? Um, yeah. I want to recommend something new, but I keep going back to something old which is, um, and I, 
I, uh, I bought a DVD. Well, no, actually, a friend of mine gave me the DVD of Something Wicked This Way Comes, <gasps> the yes. film, oh. um, which was made by Disney mm-hmm. in the 70s or 80s, starring, um, starring Jason Robards, who I just watched on an overnight flight um, in All the President's Men, and um, the guy that was it, uh, Price, Jonathan Price. Mm-hmm. So two of our best actors. <laughs> and I remember seeing this in the Lakeview Public Library in Mississauga, Ontario, when I must have been seven or eight, and it probably starting my obsession. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like dark. But also my, um, my picture of America. Mm. My idea of the states, small oh, yeah. town America, just in the fall with the leaves blowing down the street. Like, and so I haven't seen it since I was seven or eight. And a friend of mine gave me a DVD of it. I, I have an air book, so I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a TV or, a, like, or anything. I have, um, so I went out to Best Buy and I got a disc player. <laughs> and, just for Something um, Wicked This Way so Comes So buy a disc player from Best Buy <laughs> and then you can get Something Wicked This Way Comes on, on you know, Amazon or wherever. Um, I wonder if there's another place you can get it other than Amazon. I wish I could plug, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, I read the book, uh, about three years ago in, in, in sort of going back to this, uh, well for the, for the ghost book and loved it. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how much Bradbury, um, how weird the writing was, how, yeah. how poetic and just, gorgeous he has these monologues like it's completely fantastical Mm -hmm. and the characters this character of jim nightshade and these boys and it's about it's about age and it's about parenthood which is i suppose why disney picked it up (laughs) but i mean i'm i'm a little bit terrified i'm a little bit terrified to watch it my my daughter's seen the cover and she can read now so she's just like What's something wicked this way comes? And so I, I've taught her, um, by the picking of my thumb, something <laughs> wicked this way comes. Like, I don't quite know how to explain it all to her, but I told her a little bit about <laughs> Macbeth, and now she's interested in these witches, and she just says that all the time. Nice. Um, <laughs> I know, but I now, so she, she really wants to watch it, and I don't know whether to protect her. I brought it to Toronto <laughs> last week because I thought, oh, my brother and his... Uh, his sons, his boys, who are older than my daughter, will would watch it. And he's like, "Get that DVD out of my house!" <laughs> I was so that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like, I'm not watching it. I was like, "Derek, we have to watch it. This is," but he just doesn't want to see it. So <laughs> I brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can that count, even though it's yeah. not brand yes. new? Yeah, that's great. That's, oh, a, that's a good I, recommendation. Yeah, I'm ready. I am going to go. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie since I was a kid. Do you remember how scary it was? I've never been able to look at Jonathan Price. And like, I just watched the trailer for The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Okay. And he's like kind of being the most goofy. John, and I was still like, don't Jim trust you. <laughs> don't trust you. Well, he was in the wife too. He just, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, man. Well, he's not a good two dude in that either. But He's great casting for that. Seems nice. Yeah. Turns out. <laughs> it kind of looks like, is it either Lindsay Buckingham? kind of looks like Lindsay Buckingham or uh, oh, Ma- yeah. McFleetwood. One of the, the tall one. Wait, is that Buckingham? Um, <laughs> no, it's Mick because he's got it's the Mick beard. Too, and the, yes. I'm seeing the, the album cover. He, there was that, that type, that character, that 70s man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was the same man in The Joy of Sex. Like this weirdly like bearded uh, 70s man that had uh i don't know 
Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Price. And, and Jason Robards is just in yeah. everything. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there's other ca- like actors in that who who we uh, we know. Mm. Yeah, like who played the kids? Mm. I know, right? It's probably it's gonna turn out to be like Fred Savage or something as yeah. like a six year old. Uh, <laughs> do you? Um, I don't know if that timing makes sense. Anyway, but do you want to recommend uh, <laughs> something, Drew? Um, yes, another recent novel grappling with a huge sort of overwhelming and only more present topic uh valeria lacelli's new novel lost oh, children yeah. archive mm-hmm. i've been a huge fan of her from actually when we uh the story of my teeth was in the tournament of books five years ago mm-hmm. six years ago and the the idea of sort of like her going from small slim novels to like writing a massive epic yep i can't sold. wait to read that mm. it's it challenged all of the expectations that I went into it with. Mm-hmm. And when I finished it, I was like, I don't, it's one of the few times in recent memory where I finished something and been like, I just need to sit. I can't pick up something else. I can't interact with other culture. I need to just go do something else for a while mm-hmm. while my brain sort of processes and comes to grips with the whole thing. Um, I, I mean, I loved it. I love everything that she does. And it's, it feels like a lovely companion piece to tell me how it ends. Mm-hmm. The essay that she put out a year and change ago. And that I like watching an author be like, I'm not done with this topic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how can I, for the people who loved the nonfiction version, how can I get fiction people to pay attention to this? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Like, how can I get you to come see a different side of this story that's not just strictly reported? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think someone who doesn't necessarily isn't a photographer writer. Mm-hmm. She hears and she tells. And, Particularly and, for that one, with so, with yeah. everything so much about audio. Yeah, yeah. Although I there are wait. some, there are some neat. I won't give it away. There are some neat interactions with photography mm-hmm. in the book that when I hit them, I was like, <gasps> I mean, yeah. a genuine, breathtaking moment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ah, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Someone, uh-huh. uh, someone in the, in this sort of publicity thing said the book that you're most looking forward to reading that was it cool yeah well um thank you so much for coming on the show this was so (laughs) much fun leanne we really really appreciate it and guest book ghost stories is in stores now um as is your entire um library was she pretty in the um artifacts and we just really appreciate that you came on. Thanks for yeah, thank you so much. And we also, um, what else do we? We also want you to go to iTunes and leave us a review. We really appreciate when that happens. Tweet at us, email us, Instagram. It's all so many damn books. And Send us pictures of you holding Leanne's book. Yeah, we like that. <laughs> we like all that sort of stuff. Um, and we will be back soon. <laughs>